This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to New Books in Israel Studies. I'm Yaakov Yadgar. Today we're talking to Yaron Peleg of Cambridge University. Welcome to New Books in Israel Studies. I'm Yaakov Yadgar. Today we're talking to Yaron Peleg of Cambridge University about his new book, Directed by God, Jewishness in Contemporary Israeli Film and Television. In this book, in this book, Peleg analyzes several representations of Jewish religiosity in Israeli film and television that challenge secular Zionism in contemporary Israeli society. Dr. Peleg, welcome to the show. Uh, uh, Thank you. Um, I'm very happy to be here and thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, It's a pleasure. Let's open with... um, with a claim and a suggestion you make at the very opening of your book, and I'll uh, quote just a short paragraph you open with. The claim is that a century after the, its, its establishment as a secular Jewish national entity, the state of Israel at the dawn of Zionism's second century is becoming increasingly more religious in many important ways. The suggestion this book makes is that one of the most vivid testimonies of this ironic metamorphosis can be found in the history of the country's visual media, Israeli films and television program. These are, uh, I guess, this is a bold claim that has been uh, widely discussed recently. Maybe you can say a few words about the argument of uh, Israel's religionification or religionization, whatever we translate Hadatta to. Yes, uh, thank you. You know, the um, thing or the aspect most people talk about and most uh, of the media or I should say news uh, news media is, is is focusing on lately is that word that you used hadata which means in Hebrew a process of active of, of, of imposing religious practice uh, on people who are not necessarily uh, who don't necessarily wish to um, to have it as part of their lives, and that the um, focus in the media has been on official efforts to increase the presence and the practice of religion in Israeli Jewish public life. But uh, what my book looks at is not these official efforts that are more uh, politically motivated but at a what I claim is a more popular attitude towards religion in the Israeli public. And uh, one of the things I, 
I, I think that when, one of the ways I think that we can see this through is in the way the country's entertainment industry, films and television, to be uh, more precise, uh, express these trends. Because, as you know, television mm-hmm. less and, and, and films are what we consider artistic production or artistic expression. And those are not necessarily, although in Israel this is not necessarily also true, but those are generally not directed uh, as blatantly, as politically as, 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 as other efforts, for example, for example, in education, in the army, or in the uh, public uh, celebration of mm-hmm. uh, religious uh, religious celebrations publicly. So this is what what I'm trying to do in this book is to follow the um, popular expression or popular attitude of uh, Jews in Israel towards the place of religion, of the Jewish religion or or, or Jewish ritual or Jewish sensibility or that's why I called it Jewishness because it's a very amorphous kind of... Mm -hmm concept, especially with respect to Judaism, and I think you mm-hmm. also talk about it in your book about uh, similar things in, um, in, in changes in the, in the attitude towards what we call Judaism in Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, just to make it uh, a bit clearer, you do not argue that there is an, uh, let's call it a concerted effort to instill or to somehow uh, proselytize and uh, convince Jews to become more religious in Israel. But you actually um, present an argument regarding a natural development within Jewish-Israeli society where elements that would you, we, or general discourse in Israel would generally identify as religiousness and Jewishness become much more... Um, well, explicitly noted and discussed in uh, in artistic production. Is that the case? Yes, that's the case. I, I don't think, uh, of course, I think the, the, the two are related and uh, have an effect, a reciprocal effect. But what I'm trying to focus in the book is really on the, I would say, voluntary or the genuine. All these things, of course, are very problematic, but uh, the voluntary, the genuine, the... The, the penchant that uh, Israel, Jewish Israelis have for the Jewish religion in their lives, irrespective mm-hmm. or perhaps aside to or uh, along the other, the, the, the more focused and coercive, yes. let's say, efforts that you talk about. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just... Uh, th- portray maybe two parallel or I'm sorry, two different paths through which this development could have taken place. One would be that there has been a genuine secularization of Jewish-Israeli society at some point in the past. And now what you identify in Israeli media is a resurrection or even a devolution of what uh, we could call the secularization process. And the other would be that this Jewishness has always simmered or has always been present within Israeli society, but uh, didn't receive much representation in the Israeli film and television industry. Uh, This would be two different explanations of how the history of this issue developed. 
correct? Yes, yes, I, I agree. Uh, by the way, I have to say before we proceed that um, not everybody agrees with the way I see the process that I chart in, in, in my recent book. For example, there, there, there are uh, uh, scholars who think that there is a growing uh, division in Israeli public between a sector that's becoming more religious more fundamentalist mm -hmm. and a sector that's becoming more uh, fundamentally fundamentally secular, if you will. And mm -hmm. so uh, there are people who claim that. I actually, my opinion as a person who has observed Israeli culture for many years and has written about it, primarily through uh, literary and cinematic um, angles or lenses, is that there is a discernible process of what we call religiousification of mm -hmm. the public in the ways that I specify in the book and that can be observed through the media. Now, uh, this process, I think, is a working or a dialectics, if you will, of the tension that you mentioned in your question that was always, uh, I think, inherent in Zionism, which is a secular movement that is calling for a and the establishment of a secular Jewish uh, polity Mm -hmm. In the name of a religious uh, uh, principle, that of a return to the land, messianism, whatever you want to call that. So from the very outset, that was something, this tension was very much part of Zionism. And what I'm trying to show in my book is that how this tension in the towards the end of the 20th century, mm -hmm. more than 100 years after Zionism uh, has been sort of developed or established, is unraveling, not unraveling, but perhaps is changing towards a specific direction. Certainly at the time of our talking right now, this is a direction that it is, that it is taking. It may, it may, of course, change once again, but we can only uh, do what we can, what we can only do is look back and uh, look at the present and into the future we cannot really see. Yeah. So obviously the immediate question would be, how should we understand this phenomena? What are the causes or what uh, brings about this uh, development? How do you understand it? I think that uh, these are not things that I that would be new to people. This is something that has been observed by others uh, for some time. And that is not only both, I would say, both the um, ideological changes that are happening in Israel and also the demographic ones within Jewish Israel. Again, I have to emphasize again that in my book and this talk in general is focusing primarily on Jewish Israel because mm -hmm. this is where these processes are taking place. Of course, there's in, again, there is the context of the Middle East and the societies in it that are also undergoing similar processes, by the way. But uh, what I'm focusing on, uh, focusing on is what is happening in Jewish Israel, and 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 for the and for the and because of the ideological, I would say, uh, the ideological changes that are happening in Israel with the rise of um, nationalism, more uh, uh, the, the decline of the left, I would say, and the growth of sectors of religious sectors in Israel that were previously not as numerous and not as influential politically for all of these re for all these changes which have been noted by a lot of people uh, these changes i believe are taking place now as i said some of them 
I think, are directing from above. I think uh, one of the things that is uh, is uh, is particular to the process, to the cultural process that I am focusing on in my book, is the interference of organizations with money, such as, for example, the Avi Chai Foundation, this mm-hmm. Jewish American organization that is uh, dedicated to the promotion of so-called Jewish values and for the bridging between the tension of uh, bridging the tension between religious Israelis and uh, secular ones in through the encouragement of artistic works primarily television programs and films that Uh, focus on so-called again Jewish values, re- traditional traditional religious Jewish values we would call them, and mm-hmm. so that the 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 external involvement or encouragement of art towards that direction by wealthy organizations such as Avichai has of course shaped. The public attitude toward these kinds of issues, however, what uh, what what these kinds of efforts never do, no matter how much money they have, what they cannot do is they cannot create something popular if the public doesn't like it. It doesn't matter how good it is and how wonderful it is and how beautiful it is. If the public is not somehow responding to mm-hmm. these. To, to what it's being sh- it, what what the public is being shown then I think no matter how much money you put into it it fails but in yes. the case of the Avichai foundation what we saw I mean they were responsible for um, for uh, underwriting some of the earliest television shows in Israel that featured relationships between secular and religious in a very positive way something that didn't exist before and Uh, but but uh, there shows the popularity of these shows I'm talking for example about the the, the uh, show the 2007 show uh, a, a touch away which was extremely popular in Israel and was a, a runaway hit um, because it showed this kind of wish to bridge the tension between Orthodox Israelis and secular Israelis it resonated with very strongly with the public and that's what I'm interested in to see how these kinds of themes find a way into the consensus and attract the 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 following and the popularity they have and and I see these responses these public responses as sort of the real gauge of the public mood and the public attitude towards religion yes and Now there's uh, there's an interesting nuance taking place here uh, we could easily imagine uh, a setting in which um, uh, you know given some outside intervention there's more representation of a certain group in this case maybe of uh, Orthodox or Orthodox Jews in the Israeli media and popular culture obviously they've been mostly absent and then since I guess last what two decades there uh, there's much more representation of this way or another of this society, we could nevertheless imagine how this would end up in further othering and exotification of, uh, of the group and uh, not necessarily 
express a sense of heightened uh, sensitivity to issues of religiousness and Jewishness. Your argument is much more nuanced than that. You argue that uh, the, the, the religious themes or the Jewish themes that are now being taken up by uh, Israeli producers, directors, um, echo a wider sense of, uh, or a wider sentiment of Jewish identity among Israelis. Yes, I think that uh, there's certainly, again, there's certainly a measure of, um, I would call it the safari, a, a religious safari. You, 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 uh, the television takes secular views into a safari that, uh, you know, looks at the exotic religious animals. There is an element of that, of course, in uh, television. Cinema also, but television especially, is always looking for something new. It's always looking to, it's always like, not to be provocative necessarily, but to present something that is new and different so that people tune in and so the the show is successful and uh, attracts um, advertisers. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that only takes you so far. And uh, especially in a country as small as, as Israel, when people really know one another pretty well and even if they live in a different kind of environment or neighborhood and if we talk about secular and religious even then you know there is a quite a lot of um, knowledge about uh, one another in Israel because of the smallness mm-hmm. of the community so I, I, I don't think you can you can exotic exotic exoticization can only go so far so I think mm-hmm. uh, what these shows are also doing is they are um, exposing in, in many ways, not just uh, exotic animals, so to speak, but also uh, so-called enemies, because there was always a very big division between religious and secular in Israel, and these shows are trying to bridge them. And now I, I, I want to say something about this, because uh, in most of the cases where these uh, films and television shows are being made, they're being made by usually by religious Jews or ex-religious Jews in in the in the case of uh, television programs, it's it's people who are part of these environments before becoming filmmakers, and what they're doing is they're processing their own uh, their own life experiences at you know earlier in their life as part of these communities, and uh, now that they have crossed over to the secular mm-hmm. community, or I suppose uh, to some aspect has been secularized, they themselves. They are trying to process it as a personal thing, but it um, they succeed in also making it much more socially resonant. And I think mm-hmm. that is that is the attraction for the public to both to be familiar with something, to familiar to familiarize themselves with something that they don't know and perhaps didn't particularly understand and even disliked, and. Uh, the uh, hankering after something that was always very, very palpable and very um, present in Israeli uh, culture, which is a wish for unity, sort of a Jewish unity, mm-hmm. which is more than just national unity, but it's also Jewish unity. Yeah. So so much of this discussion and, and the way it, this is usually being analyzed, uh, this whole phenomena, uh, is based on an infrastructure of this division between secular and religious, between the secular Jews in Israel and the religious world, uh, between the you know the, the very idea of Zionism as a secular movement and Judaism as a as a baggage it carries somehow from uh, the Jewish past, um, and the shows 
could easily just perpetuate the sense of a binary or dichotomy between, between these two groups, while um, all observers of Israeli society also know that there is a vast majority of Jews who do not fall uh, in either of the sides of this binary and prepare, prefer to identify, uh, I guess, outside of it uh, as traditional, Masultim, or simply not secular or not religious and uh, don't want to be bothered with... Uh, with this uh, labeling. Do you see the shows uh, that have been emerging in Israel also representing this segment of Israeli society? I think, uh, I think again, I, this is an excellent question because uh, what you described, this sort of hybrid identity, hybrid Jewish identity, is precisely what these shows have hit upon and what is, I believe, what the public wants there is a wish in Israel, it, 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 it wasn't always part of uh, Israeli culture, but there is certainly since the 80s, there is a wish in Israel because of the, because of various political and, and as I said, uh, social developments for a more, I would say, holistic Jewish identity, which earlier in the country's history was not possible. And uh, the only other option was you, uh, the options were either you are a socialist, secular person, or you are an orthodox person. Uh, national religious uh, uh, sector was not very, uh, was not very big, was not very uh, active. And so after the 80s, there was, there emerged because of these changes that we've talked about, this hankering after a holistic Jewish identity that would be neither relig- or very orthodox or religious or, or, or completely secular, something that would incorporate um, elements of both. And I think that is what these shows are really talking about. I think one of the best examples for that would be, I would say, uh, a current, a very, a very contemporary show, which hasn't made it into the book because the book was published in nineteen in, in two thousand and sixteen, and um, the this show is 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 from this year. I'm talking about the show called Shababnikim. Shababnikim. I don't know if you know this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It follows yeah. the sort of follows several young yeshiva students in the yeshiva in, somewhere in Israel, and uh, they. They're, they they live in a very very um, orthodox environment, but they don't. But the lives that they lead are very much influenced by Israeli secular sensibilities, and I think one way to explain this very very succinctly would be to focus on the name of the show, which is Shababnikim which is really interesting um, use of the word because sh- Shabab in Arabic is the, the it means youth and it's usually mm-hmm. uh, directed at sort of young people who are loafers who don't who are up to no good and um, so that that's one level of it in the Israeli sort of security parlance it means uh, not just young people who are up to no good, but up to no good against Jews, some kind of, uh, 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 um, what's the word? Um, enemies. Enemies, uh, I meant to say, terrorists in the making. Uh-huh. And here, you know, this, <laughs> this but, but in, re- in Orthodox circles, 
This also has another, yet another meaning, uh, uh, that of young men, yeshiva students, of course, who are not particularly studious and who've got who's, who have who has the sort of roving eyes, or they're there's they're not they're they're not completely sort of with the uh, with the uh, uh, religious curriculum of their yeshiva, and so. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to see how this show tries to incorporate all of these concepts of trying to be religious, but also not not uh, blind or deaf or completely closed off from the secular life mm-hmm. that's raging around you. And I, I think this is one of the reasons why the show is so popular. Of course, it has excellent production values, but at the same time, it, it is hitting a very, very... Um, genuine nerve in contemporary Israeli culture that tries to, I, I, I suppose, both to respond to as well as define a contemporary holistic Israeli Jewish identity, which the show is very successfully doing. There's an obvious uh, uh, ethnic element to, to our discussion here. Um, to a large extent, this uh, dichotomous worldview that you described in which secular and religious are used to be the two uh, exclusive, exclusive options of Jewish identity in Israel, um, uh, this is a, a, a basically Ashkenazi or European-born kind of identity that didn't sit well or hasn't been fitting well with uh, Jews who come from uh, Arab and Muslim countries who usually comprise that um, uh, vast silent majority of those who are in between or uh, don't fall in either of of these poles, uh, what we call Mizrahim in Israel. Do you see the resurgence or the emergence of these more Jewishly attentive shows uh, to also reflect this sensibility and to be better representations of uh, Mizrahi Jews? Yes, I think that's, uh, again, this is a very... um precise question because that's uh, exactly I think what is one of the that's precisely what is happening and I th- I would say that if you had to isolate one major influence on these trends that we have been talking about that would be Mizrahi religiosity that is non-Ashkenazi Jewish religiosity as it was cultivated in Israel because when the Mizrahi immigrants, when immigrants, the non-European immigrants came to um, Israel in the 50s and the 60s, they came to a country that practiced this real, what for them was very artificial, division between religiosity and secularity, something that was not uh, very natural to them. Eventually, as they these these groups of people integrated into the culture and became more comfortable about who they are and what they are about, they also influenced the culture culture from the inside and took it towards that direction of inclusivity or holistic uh, uh, holisticness, um, if you will of their ways of life in sort of on a national scale. So, for example, again, I'll go back to Haredi society and give you an example of that. A lot of people are talking, for example, when you talk about the Shas phenomenon, phenomenon mm-hmm. the, uh, that, that uh, rose in the late 80s, 
a lot of people are talking about the Ashkenazization of the Mizrahi culture, whereby uh, people, Mizrahi, Mizrahi Jews who who usually didn't dress in black clothes and didn't look like uh, Lithuanian uh, Hasidim, um, started wearing these these um, these clothes and started um, a process by which Ashkenazi religious practices penetrated the Mizrahi sector. So a lot of people are talking about that. But I think what uh, people are, uh, uh, less people are talking about is a, a sort of a reciprocal phenomenon or maybe an opposite phenomenon, whereby the Ashkenazi Haredi community has been Mizrahified, if you will, by exactly the kind of practices and um, lifestyle you see in Shababnikim, the show we've just spoken about, whereby the Ashkenazi, Eastern European, Haredi lifestyle is broken down, or I would say opened up to more secular uh, influences that you see in the show, and I would say that this would be a very distinct Mizrahi Mizrahi Mizrahification, if you will, of that culture. Okay, this is all very interesting. Um, uh, but I have to ask, how much of these changes have to do with uh, the well, I guess, with penetration or the introduction of new players into the field? How much of this has to do with the fact that? Uh, uh, the religious Zionist camp, for example, in Israel has devoted much attention to encouraging people to go into these fields of cultural production and take an active role, or let's call it the change of the cultural elite in Israel, which has opened up a lit, a lit, at least a little bit to allow Mizrahim and uh, non-prototypical uh, non secular Tel Avivians into, uh, into the field of the cultural production. How much would you... Uh, how, how, much, how much of an importance would you assign to this uh, uh, demographic change? Yeah, I'm not sure about this because, uh, for example, there is a, um, a really interesting case of, in 1989, the, the so-called National Religious Movement, Mitnachalim, settlers established a film school called Ma'ale in order to affect this kind of change in Israeli media, which they perceived as left-leaning and liberal from the inside. So the idea was to establish a media school that would be ideologically controlled and would um, educate filmmakers in filmmakers, television makers in the art of making, in the art of, in the art. Mm -hmm. And they would then go into the world and spawn a lot of shows that would present the point of view of the settler movement. This has been a resounding failure because for the first, I would say, almost, almost 20 years, but tw I would say almost 20 years, that school has not produced a significant cadre of such envisioned filmmakers. And it has become, in fact, a seminar for high school teachers in the religious sector who would then go to their back into the school system, to the religious school system, and would uh, teach students about media. Some graduates of the this school started making 
significant films only, I would say, in the mid-2000s. But I don't know how much they would be, you would have to be, you would have, you, you, you can credit the school, the Ma'ale school, for those educations. I think these are just, I, I think because these sectors are becoming more demographically numerous, these religious sectors, and because of that, there is more of a seepage, or I would say a um, blending of these sectors in Israel, you you get these cultural exchanges between these sectors and communities, and the members of those communities then start picking up on some of the practices of the other communities. And one of these practices is filmmaking. And I, I think it's a more natural process than 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 one that can be, in fact, um, isolated as something else. Yeah. So let me ask you the question we usually ask <clears throat> uh, here in uh, New Books Network uh, at the beginning of each uh, interview. What brought you to, the, to study this phenomena in the first place? How did you arrive at this topic? Well, uh, this is uh, interesting. The, um, I, I was born in a kibbutz and I was born in, in Israel that was very much uh, secular and still sort of the last vestiges, I would say, of uh, labor Zionism. And it's secularism, and uh, then left Israel after the army to go and study abroad, and uh, settled outside of Israel and lived uh, outside of Israel for most of my life since then. And uh, because of that, a, a certain kind of Israel was frozen, I suppose, culturally within my psyche and uh, my annual or, or biannual visits to Israel. Make the changes that are changes that are happening to Israel very much more visible than I suppose they would be for people who are constantly who live in Israel and constantly part of it. And mm-hmm. I was very struck by these changes, and uh, was very curious about them and wanted to look into them. And uh, I, I think this this really would be. I suppose one can say that since a person, as Shaul Chonichovsky once said, is, is sort of the um, made in the shape of their uh, the shape of their Adam Elatavnit as we say the shape yes. of their I suppose translated into the shape of their early sort of years of childhood. Uh, this, mm-hmm. of course, I was very much. Um, Secular Israel was one which I felt very comfortable in, and the changes made me uncomfortable. And and as I, and I, in, in trying to understand them, I, I in fact I think they it inspired me to write the book. This is very interesting. Um, let me ask you a couple of uh, more general questions regarding the implications of uh, the phenomena that you've uh, you've studied. You you've already noted that this is largely a Jewish Israeli narrative. How do you see the non-Israeli Jews fitting in with this story? This is, uh, again, an excellent question. Um, although I didn't look at it in the book, which really focuses on the Jewishness aspect of Israeli society, um, I think because of the very precarious situation of primarily the Muslim, the Arab minority in Israel, I think that uh, it is extremely difficult for them from the point of view of religion or religiosity to uh, to express that part of their culture publicly pu- publicly in Israel. 
Um, this is not something, I mean, they have the, the, the Arab minority in Israel has many obstacles that are preventing it from, I would say, quote unquote, a more normal life as part of the country because of the situation in the area, security, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think their ability to express themselves more freely and more genuinely has, have been, has been curbed because of that. There have been very, I don't know of any shows in, in, in Israel that look at this minority from a religious perspective that is exploring their tradition to, I suppose, religious traditionalism. Uh, but, but we all know the shows that have been made. We're talking about Avot Aravit, Arab Labor, and then, you know, a derivative show, uh, the script writer, Hatasritai, by the same writer side, Kashua. Uh, recently, there was, um, I, I believe there's a show being made right now in the making called Dr. Kraz. It's, that's the name that has been uh, published, um, which looks at Arab society, but without overt political and religious focus. Uh, I think it's not even a show that's going to be looking at the relations between Arabs and Jews necessarily, but focuses on Arab society. But really, that's, this is beside this book uh, that looked at something very different. And I suppose these shows that we've been talking about, I suppose, would not have great popularity in, um, you know, in Arab sectors of Israel. But I don't have any, any information on that, uh, I am mm -hmm. to say. Okay. And um, I guess one of the, uh, the most apparent uh, phenomena currently Uh, overshadowing Israeli film and TV productions are the successful uh, uh, selling or exporting of some Israeli shows to uh, international uh, uh, companies like Netflix and Amazon. Um, certain shows have become uh, uh, genuinely uh, international hits. Uh, do you see the genres you're dealing with uh, to be following the same uh, path? Are they part of this phenomena? Uh, not yet. Uh, you're talking about the uh, phenomenon of um, Israeli shows, as you said, that uh, have made it uh, internationally. Uh, most of those shows are have to do with Israel's security situation and its reflection in the similar problems in the Western world since 9-11. That is... Uh, Unfortunately, what has happened is that the United States and now also Europe have been, uh, have been following the same kind of um, security problems that Israel has been experiencing earlier on and inspire shows most recently, for example, as Fauda. Mm -hmm. It's these kinds of shows, shows that have to do with the Arab-Israeli conflict that have been primarily, not all of them, but primarily um, uh, uh, bought by, uh, disseminated or sold uh, for dissemination in the world outside of Israel after they're being um, adapted. So I would say those shows, other shows have to do with other specific things that could be true for other societies such as autism Um, psychoanalysis, you know, the first show, Betipul in treatment was the first one to sort of cross over. But shows about the religious, uh, as far as I know, have not yet 
yet made it or have not yet been sold to uh, to other shows. I would say primarily because certainly in Europe, we're talking about a very secular society in which religion, Christian religion, is not a very big part of the, I would say, search for identity or identity crisis in Western European culture. So it's not, it's not really a, an issue that is preoccupying Europeans, Christian Europeans, and to the extent that they deal with uh, aspects of religion, it, it, it's Muslim religion and the way it encroaches upon their secularity, not their uh, uh, Christian their Christian aspect of li- aspects of life. In mm-hmm. the United States, the same thing, um, although it's not a, you can't call the American society a secular society uh, because of the separation of church and state. Those issues are not really problematic for Americans. And, and I think because of that, these shows have not yet. Perhaps some people will find a uh, formula to transfer them to these cultures and make them uh, more uh, relevant for them, but so far it hasn't it hasn't happened. Um, and this, I would say, is a a, 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 a genre of Israeli shows that has not yet mm-hmm. made it abroad. Yeah, this is type of a Jewish joke that doesn't translate uh, yes, to other languages. Exactly, exactly. Uh, really, this 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 thing that we're talking about is, I think, has always been part of Jewish culture and has been exacerbated in the modern time in Israel because of the pretension of the Zionists to create a a Jewish secularity, which is really paradoxical. And what Mm -hmm. we're seeing is the unraveling of this conceit and the changes that are being made to it to fit a more genuine, I suppose, Jewish existence that incorporates some form of religiosity Something that, for example, American Jews, if we talk about a successful Jewish community, have been able to do precisely because of the separation of church and state in the United States that allowed, allows people, allows, allows American Jews to be, as Yud Lamed Gordon said in the 19th century, to be Jews at home and people abroad. Mm. That is something that a state of the Jews in Israel really doesn't enable you to be or to do. And that's precisely, the, 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 I think, the cause for these changes that we're seeing in Israeli society. Mm-hmm. So this is actually, uh, this was about to be my next question, and maybe you just uh, can elaborate. What do we study from this phenomenon in Israeli society? Do you see this as a, as a predetermined uh, course in which Israel becomes uh, more Jewishly self-preoccupied? Uh, well, you know, uh, looking into the future is not something people like to do. But mm-hmm. I think certainly, um, as I think, I think uh, I can't remember if Marx said that or perhaps Terry Eagleton reading Marx said that, you know, the future can really be, the future really is in the past. Mm-hmm. So if we look at the what is happening now in Israel and what I'm trying to follow in my book is I would say an identity crisis and a search for identity that is happening in Israel in which the Jewish tradition to be very careful will play a 
more important part in the lives of Israelis, certainly in comparison to the place religion had in Israeli culture earlier on, certainly in the Yishuv, and also afterwards during the first decades of the state. That kind of situation I don't, will not, I don't think will, will, will return. And based on what has been happening in the last few decades, I think this search of identity will lead Israelis to incorporate more, I suppose, Jewish principles, what, however, however, however you understand them, into their lives. You know, I want to perhaps remind you of, um, you know, and I talk about in, in, in the book, there's a really very uh, prophetic short story that was written, very famous, uh, by Chaim Chazaz in the 1940s, in the early 40s, called the Hadrashah, the sermon, in which yes. he, he, he looks precisely at these kinds of questions um, and has uh, really very, um, again, prophetic things to say about it. For example, he says in his book, uh, you know, the, the, the character, uh, the, the, the major character in the book is giving the speech before a committee about these paradoxes. And he, some of the things he says are, for example, and I'm quoting from the book, Zionism and Judaism are two different things, perhaps even two things that stand in contrast, in contrast to one another. Yeah. And, and and then he says even this really very, uh, very, uh, I would say, s- sort of strong statement, Zionism begins where Judaism is destroyed. Yeah. This was perhaps true in the 1940s. But what we're seeing now is that there is a refusal to go with this or a refusal to accept it and a an attempt to change it to infuse the two so that yeah. Zionism does become in fact somehow more Jewish I see well this is uh, an opening to a much much larger discussion which I'm afraid we'll have to uh, leave for now we've taken way too much of your time uh, Dr. Peleg can you tell us just in closing what uh, kind of projects you're working on currently Yes, uh, my current project is going to be on the uh, history of the modern Hebrew novel, the first hundred years, 1850 to 1950, particularly I'm looking at, um, we'll be looking at um, the problematic attitude towards romance and love as a, an expression of some of the problems Jews had with adjusting to modernity. Sounds very interesting. Uh, Dr. Pelek, thank you so much for uh, being on the show and thank you listeners for being with us. Thank you very much.